Hello from Stockholm and welcome to A Woman's Place. I'm Samanda Ekman and this podcast is a collaboration between the local and Invest Stockholm. The intro music was composed by the Stockholm band Rain. Check out our podcast notes if you want to hear more from them. This episode we're going to be speaking to one of the women who paved the way for Stockholm to become a woman's place. Margot Wallström is a Swedish social democratic politician who has served as Sweden's deputy prime minister and is currently the minister of foreign affairs. Her long career in politics has spanned over 30 years and it was Margot who in 2014 promised Sweden's feminist foreign policy which has become a hot topic of discussion around the world. Over to the local's commercial editor, Sophie Miskew. Thanks, Amanda. I'm here at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, where I'm meeting the Minister of Foreign Affairs, Margot Wallström. Thanks so much for your time today, Margot. Thank you. We've all heard about Sweden's feminist foreign policy, but can you tell me exactly what that means? It means that through all our embassies around the world, we work to ensure that women and girls enjoy the same rights, meaning human rights, legal rights around the world, that they are represented. Um, that means that they have a voice, that they are in parliaments or governments or companies, that they are represented in negotiations about peace or what have you. Um, and thirdly, that resources are also allocated to the needs of women and girls. And um, we define it as uh, gender equality being not a women's issue but a peace and security issue because how can you reach durable peace if women are excluded? They, re- they are half of the population in most countries. Um, foreign relations seem to be getting tenser by the day. There's the fractious relationship between Russia and the EU, threats of trade wars looming with the US, not to mention Brexit. Is now the right time for a foreign policy related to gender? It is always the right time for foreign policy uh, to relate to to gender. And like never before, do we need to include uh, women in politics? And you could actually argue the other way around. Isn't it time that that we try women in in decision-making and trying to to make peace? Because men have, have really failed. And if we look at sort of the autocrats that we see gaining power today, they are mostly all of them men and uh, I think that uh, women do feel excluded from from the processes where they they should be um, where they should be on board Uh, and I think that uh, from experience we know for example in peace negotiations that when when women are there around the table you get more options presented and also afterwards uh, women are those who implement those peace agreements so so we we need them uh, everywhere as foreign minister you deal with countries all the time which don't have a feminist domestic policy how do your counterparts from these countries respond to this idea well, we were, uh, of course, a bit um, afraid to begin with that they would uh, 
uh, laugh at it or, or simply uh, ignore it or even be uh, proactively against. And I think we were surprised, first of all, how it was embraced by our own ambassadors everywhere through, through our staff, uh, by our staff ar around the world, and then also the interest that has been shown in, in this. And maybe it was uh, just for show to begin with, but now they've seen how we work uh, very practically on these things. It's not uh, a matter of um, gender sensitization or whatever. It's really about uh, making very uh, practical work. So, for example, check on women. Do they have a right to open a bank account? Are they discriminated against uh, by law or tradition in, in each and every country? What about um, all the facts and figures? Do they have gender budgeting in in countries, or do they even check on the effects of of the the, uh, the budget on on women and men respectively? So all of those things are are broken down into very practical politics, and then it becomes more interesting because they can see also that uh, it will be more effective if they also include uh, women and, and girls. So when you meet other foreign ministers, Boris Johnson, for example. Are they supportive or dismissive? No, he promised, last time we met, he promised that he would also carry out the feminist foreign policy. And uh, I, I really hope he's doing that. You had better check uh, with him. <laughs> I'll check next time So he, he calls himself a feminist, I, I think, these days. So, so that's, uh, that's good. There is, there is always, a, I would say, a sincere interest in, in what it means. And we have action plans, yearly action plans. So we give very very concrete uh, advice to uh, all our embassies around the world. And I think we can, we can show uh, for, for good results, for example, also in fighting violence against women, because this is where, often where it starts. If you, if you cannot feel safe even in your own home as a woman, how can you be expected to play a full role in, in society? Do you think any other country in the world apart from Sweden could have come up with an idea like this? <laughs> well, um, Canada was quick to, to sort of follow, um, and uh, I, I think uh, other countries, the, the, I think it, the problem is really the words that uh, we call it a feminist foreign policy. It has a negative connotation in some, in some countries. They think that, it, does this mean that you don't like men, or should it exclude men? So I think you just have to make sure that you have a definition that says that women and men should enjoy the same uh, rights and obligations and opportunities in, in society, and it's as simple as that. Uh, so um, I think that uh, others will follow. Um, and they, it's okay if they use uh, gender equality instead, so uh, we're fine with that. Where did the idea for a feminist foreign policy come from to begin with? Well, uh, I have to, to say that it was <laughs> very much my idea to... It, it started with uh, some a kind of alliteration or for objectives that all started with the same letter. And, and feminist foreign policy was a way to capture that we would work for gender equality and uh, that we also define it as a peace and security uh, matter. And the women, peace and security agenda is one that is um, accepted by, by most countries. So, um, uh, but it's, it, I think also it has worked in, in defining it as uh, these sort of three R's, the rights, representation and resources. I think that that is still working uh, well in, in the parameters used for, for um, implementing it. Mm -hmm. 
Dozens of other countries, including Denmark, Norway, Finland and Iceland, have had female leaders, but not Sweden. What's going on there? Um, we have had since a long time, um, the, you know, every other name on our lists, uh, women. We've had uh, women party leaders in almost all parties. So I think it's a matter of climbing to the, to the top and, and get uh, women to accept uh, that, that post. So um, I'm sure we will see that. Mm-hmm. You have to admit for a country with a feminist foreign policy, it doesn't look great. No, but I think we've had women, I mean, as long as we have uh, half of the government uh, ministers, women, I think this is, uh, this, is good. this is a good thing. Could you possibly be Sweden's first female prime minister? I, I think I'm too old now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> For our listeners outside of Sweden, is the concept of a feminist foreign policy popular with other political parties? Or is it just the social democrats that are championing it? No, I, I heard uh, the other day that uh, the opposition leader had to promise that they would continue with the... Uh, with the feminist foreign policy also. I, I think, you know, you, you can ask any um, party leader here and they would uh, say that they are f- feminists. Uh, it's uh, an accepted uh, concept uh, here. And, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's good. But do you really think the policy could survive a change of government? Well, um, we, we didn't see it with the previous government. There was not really this kind of, of proactive uh, policy that we have been able to carry through. And we also call ourselves a feminist government. When you do that, you create also expectations and an accountability because you will be measured. Uh, and they will say, so what, what did you then um, produce? What kind of results can you, uh, can you show? Um, and that's that's good. That's exactly the idea of of um, announcing that you that you carry out uh, such a, a policy. Um, so I I of course think that the opposition has much weaker policies so that they are not uh, ready to go as as far as as we've done. But I also think that the Me Too campaign um, made all parties rethink the whole political establishment rethink their their policies and also make them um, uh, present proposals for how to deal with this phenomenon. As you may know, a few weeks ago, the mayor of Stockholm, Karin von Gord, declared Stockholm a woman's place. What role will gender equality play for attracting talent in the future? Um, if we don't, um, we will simply not use the potential of half, uh, <laughs> half the population. So we have to make sure that, that women feel that this is their, their place, that they can have an, an equal chance. I think Sweden is known for, uh, for example, the, uh, the parental leave, the fact that you will see many dads, uh, Swedish dads, walking around with... Uh, with their babies uh, in prams take, using the, the parental leave uh, fully. I think um, this is what a lot of people notice, that uh, women and men share uh, a lot. We are still not happy with, uh, with, with that. We still, for women, they do most of the work at home and so on. They use much more of the parental leave. But I think we are maybe more advanced than many other countries, most other countries in, in the world. Um, and then, of course, uh, you have to, to feel that you're, you're free to, to use all your potential. Uh, uh, and I think Stockholm is a great place to, to live. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you think Sweden benefits from its uh, strong international reputation for gender equality? Yes, I think we do. It's all positive. Uh, we can see also that many countries from um, around the world, they um, place uh, women ambassadors here. So maybe they also think that it's, it's a good, good place for women ambassadors to work in. I moved to Stockholm a couple of years ago and it became instantly clear to me that when it comes to gender equality, Sweden really is light years ahead of the rest of the world. I'd say, even UK? Even the UK, yeah. Uh, I mean, mm. um, I could tell you some stories. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> um, but do you think Sweden has won the war on gender inequality? No, I think we're far from, from... We cannot be complacent. I think there is so much more to do. And I think the Me Too campaign just showed exactly uh, where, <clears throat> where still women, they're afraid of violence. They are afraid of being raped. They are afraid of, of uh, um, not being able to compete uh, with their male uh, colleagues uh, for, for jobs or being promoted in the same way as men. The salary, there is still a difference in salary. Um, that shows discrimination. So there is there are still a number of these things. Mm -hmm. We are maybe better than many others, but it's not uh, it's not perfect. And there's still so much uh, fighting to do for for women, and we have to come together also show show solidarity. So what can be done about it? Well, um, I mean. From checking on do we need to strengthen our legislation um, to offer support to, to the women to changing attitudes and uh, uh, creating visibility for women and women leaders. So this is why uh, it will be, an, I hope, an important uh, uh, issue also in the election campaign. Why has feminism become such a defining feature of your career? When did you first start fighting for women's rights? Um, I, I think it, this has sort of followed me as a political priority throughout my, my political career. And I think it sta starts very often with um, an awakening of, of noticing that you are not treated exactly like, uh, like the men or the, the boys or you have to do this, but you're not supposed to, to do that. So the things that, that are put up as, as obstacles or is hindering you in, in your life. And then I became a minister also for, for these issues, and I think that really taught me so many lessons. This was at the time when, for example, violence against women uh, <clears throat> and domestic violence was uh, put uh, in the spotlight uh, in Sweden, and there was a book um, published that really uh, revealed uh, that this is a, f a phenomenon in every uh, so sort of social uh, classes or uh, um, everywhere in, in society and how much it affects not only the individual but uh, also whole family. So we've read in previous articles that you suffered domestic abuse in the home. Is this something that shaped your view of feminism? Well, uh, remember, I was very young when this happened, and um, it was not something that went on for a very long time, but it happened to me in a rather sort of dramatic way, and I must say that it, it absolutely shaped my, my view on, on how these things can occur, and how you react, and the, the fear um, that that is uh, installed in you uh, after uh, something like this, and 
I yeah, it has absolutely accompanied me um, throughout my my political career and and shaped very much also the res the respect for for women who uh, who live in such uh, uh, relationships mm -hmm. and. Uh, how important it is that you have somebody to talk to because I I had immediate help from from friends and uh, mm -hmm. and um, got out of this. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't. I got an insight into into that particular experience. And do you think women who have been in that situation it helps them to relate to you a lot more as well? Maybe very often, if you have. Um, had such an experience you you want to read about it or you want to hear um, how others have reacted what did they do how did they take it what happened exactly um, but I've been I've been through worse uh, things in my life that, than that but but it has been definitely uh, um, something uh, that determined I think also how I deal with the gender equality Mm -hmm. What was it like as a young woman in politics? Did you feel like your voice was listened to? No, to begin with, no. And we were really put in place also by by uh, by older uh, colleagues and and men who would uh, make sure that we did not uh, make too much of a fuss. And uh, I also remember being a, a young member of parliament when they tried to to. Um, Push me to the group of visitors instead of <laughs> allowing me to to pass <laughs> into my to my room and to my office because they thought I was a visitor instead. And I think it was just because I was a, a very young uh, young woman. And um, so, so that was um, there were quite a few uh, lessons. Uh -huh. But, but we 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 also learned that we have to to stick together. We have to. Um, make sure that we uh, have friends that we can talk to and we met also in smaller groups uh, to, to support each other uh, and um, strengthen each other. Mm -hmm. So no one tries to put you in your place anymore? <laughs> no, I, I think, well, it's easier if you, if you already sort of have a, a, a post. Uh, like when I was a commissioner also, I think that um, it's the, the, the most difficult position is often being um, at the mid-level, sort of trying to, to fight your way um, with promotions and, and what have you in the, the hierarchy. So I, I think here you're given a role that you're supposed to, to act this or that. But I, I have also seen that as a commissioner, sometimes uh, we had visitors or we had lobby groups uh, coming to see us and they would sp speak to my chef de cabinet because he was uh, a man. And they would not even uh, look at me. Uh, and I remember once when my my uh, head of office said to them, "Well, maybe you should talk to the commissioner because she will, in the end, she will be the one to decide." Uh -huh. And so it's it's a matter of attitude as as well and an acceptance of of the role. But that's so uh, great that someone spoke up about it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is also again I I have to say this very often. It's not. It's not a women's issue. This is a matter of, of equality, and it will be a better society for both men and women mm -hmm. if, if we uh, can live in a more equal, equal society. The beginning of your career really coincided with the first aggressive push towards gender equality. Was the fighting fiercer then than it is now? 
I don't know. I think there are different uh, uh, issues to to tackle and different problems to to deal with. I mean, it started with being able to introduce reforms. Um, so here it was a matter of uh, childcare, offering childcare, because how can you otherwise uh, enter the labor market? It was a matter of taxation even. You know, how can you be a free independent person if you are taxed together with your your husband? Um, and it was sort of step by step um, political reforms needed. And of course that was a fight without women um, sticking together and, and fighting very hard. We would, and they even threatened in Sweden in the 70s to form their own political party. And that made, that turned the uh, political established parties to, to change their, their lists for some of their nominations so they would have every other name a woman. Uh, but it took that kind of, of threat. Uh, so it was very, very tough. Um, and now it's more, uh, we can even see women in, in many countries, they complain about being harassed. There is hate uh, speech. There is uh, rumors and, and, you know, sexual harassment uh, that uh, hits them. So there seems to be a, a backlash that might be even as serious as when women started to fight for, for their rights. You've had a long career in the European Commission and the United Nations. Would you describe them as women's places? No, uh, no, unfortunately not. I mean, it, it takes... Uh, these are organisations, old organisations that are built in a very hierarchical way and I would say also built on sort of a male model. Um, and even to discuss, you know, um, well, we cannot have meetings in the afternoon because I have to pick up children uh, at the daycare centre. And that would always be the women uh, who, who did that. So it, it was very much the conditions were set by, by a male system. Uh, of course, things have, have changed uh, to, to the better, but it is still um, reserved for a majority of, of men and it's more difficult for women still to, to make a career. And, and uh, I think they, we've heard so many uh, witnesses uh, um, tell, telling us that. And also the, the Me Too uh, uh, phenomenon of, of you know, being sexually uh, abused or, or harassed in the workplace. There's still, uh, we have problems with, with that, as in, in, in many other structures. But... Uh, it's clear that, that many of these things uh, are changing, uh, thanks to, to many more, more women, um, but um, it has taken a long time. Do you think things have come on so far in Sweden because it's also men that have to get up at three o'clock and go and pick up their kids from daycare? <laughs> I think that's a, it's a good, uh, absolutely, it's a good experience and it, uh, it changes the, the discussion and the debate. And I can see it with my own children and, and grandchildren also, how, how this is being done in everyday life. Mm -hmm. Both of them having careers and both of them working full time. And how do you then arrange that with, with the kids? You have to help each other. And mm -hmm. so it's a, it's, a, it's a big struggle also with all of these things for both men and women. But, uh, but at least you understand, both of you, uh, what, what it takes. Now, we did just mention Me Too, but we've seen plenty of other cases, on social media particularly, where women in the public eye have to deal with huge amounts of abuse. How do you deal with it? 
Well, um, you need the, the support and help of, of other women uh, always in, in these uh, situations. You have to be able to feel free that it is worth it reporting if something like this happens, that you can go to your your boss or you can go to um, wherever, to uh, the legal system, to insist on, on your right for uh, protection. Um, I, I think that for us as a government, we immediately also set out to uh, introduce the legal changes and uh, strengthening sort of the, the work we do from um, education uh, and um, uh, what we teach uh, young people about, uh, about sex and about gender equality uh, to making sure that uh, there is the, the, the support the whole way uh, on, on these issues. Uh, but um, uh, this is really part of the of the daily struggle for for women to make sure that uh, that they they can they can feel free that they can act as they like and um, uh, that they the, their lives are free from from sexual harassment and sexual violence. Do you think there's a good climate here in Stockholm for women to speak out? Yeah, I would say generally in, in Sweden you can speak out, uh, but uh, um, but the, the, the structures of um, of harassing women has still been present. For example, in the as we've seen in the media world or cultural world, um, unfortunately, um, and I, I think it has to do with the lack of, of gender equality uh, in our societies. Do you have advice for women who are concerned about speaking out because of the abuse they may face? Uh, I really think it is important to find uh, friends that you can talk to. And there are organizations today also that, uh, that you can join uh, where, where this is uh, definitely a topic. So very, very important. And then in the end also, women need more courage. You know that we need to speak up, and it was the same thing with uh, everything from the suffragettes in in uh, in the UK to uh, to uh, women leaders uh, today. They have to some have to be very courageous and lead lead the way, but we all have to to uh, speak up and uh, and uh, set the limits also. Mm-hmm. Trump, Brexit, Hungary, the rise of the Sweden Democrats here. It seems like we took one step towards progressive values and then three back. Mm -hmm. Do you think in the current climate that feminism is at risk? Well, there is a backlash to feminism. But at the same time, you know, I had this job in the United Nations and I keep saying uh, all the time that uh, it left me with a heavier heart because I learned about sexual violence in war and conflict and how what a deep imprint this makes on on the society and on these women. Um, But it also left me with more hope for the future because I met with all these women who refuse to be seen only as victims. They want to influence their own. They want to be there and help to steer their own countries and and they want to take power over their own life and they don't want to be seen as as only helpless uh, victims of, of violence. So... 
I, I have big hopes for, for women. And we had a gender equality conference here that uh, we were a bit nervous, you know, what will happen when we sent the invitation. And we had 700 uh, people coming, both women and men, from more than 100 countries and uh, from all levels and civil society. And it was just an amazing uh, chance. So I think maybe we've helped to mobilize this uh, fight also r- around the world. There was an amazing range of topics at the Stockholm Forum on Gender Equality. Um, Everything from gender equal peace process in Colombia to dealing with internet hate. Mm. What were your highlights? Well, I must say that uh, Chimamanda uh, Adichie was, of course, fantastic, her speech. But I must say also all these wonderful uh, people from working at the very local level, uh, in so many different countries, from Afghanistan to uh, Liberia, and and they were just willing to share all of their knowledge and experience and and fight on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the spirit that um, was created uh, was a wonderful one. I remember when I was living in the UK, I was so inspired to hear that 16-year-olds in Sweden were getting a copy of We Should All Be Feminists. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We talked a bit about the values of Brexit and Trump. The world is increasingly polarised and Sweden's at one end of the spectrum in terms of those values. When you're dealing as a diplomat or the foreign minister with, to pick a random example, Saudi Arabia, how do you meet these people? How do you deal with people whose values are so opposed to yours? But that's part of everyday work. And I think you just have to show a genuine interest in the people you meet, being willing to, to listen uh, so I think it's it's part of the the trick that you have to listen, and I don't mean it as a trick. I mean it as uh, as re- realist, and then try to put yourself in the shoes of of somebody else, and then also at the same time declare very clearly that this is where I stand, this is where I come from, these are our values, and sometimes we have to agree to disagree. And this happens very often here, that uh, they come with a a completely different take on on things, a a very different position. And then we listen and we say, well, this is how we see it, this is our position, and, you know, where can we meet? Or do we just have to to say, well, maybe we can find something else where we uh, could do uh, have cooperation, but, uh, but this will continue to be, as we sometimes call it, a stone in the shoe. Do you sense that's changing? I think it is changing, yes. Um, so, so also here is, is much more polarized and maybe a, a sharper tone in, in the political discussions also these days. Have you heard of the concept of mansplaining? Yes, yeah. Is, I've not only heard about it, I, I meet it all the time. Oh, oh really? <laughs> Who's guilty of it? Well, I, no, but I think, you know, men have it. We've seen this, you know, the um, concept of power techniques, you know, of, of men. And I, I, I learned uh, those very early on. And one, one of them uh, is that if there are two men, one man would always um, sort of um, encourage the other, acknowledge what he said. So as you said, uh, Hawkan, um, uh, I, I totally agree. And then they will repeat the same thing uh, once more. And women sit around the table and think, but, but was this what he just, why do you have to, we, we sort of skip that. We think, well, it's already said, so why do we have, but maybe we just have to repeat it. And we have to say, well, as you said, we, I think it's right what Karin 
just explained. Mm -hmm. But the and of of course they yeah they very often like to explain things. I yeah I think that it's rather harmless. It's just a waste of time sometimes. But uh, I think that's. Uh, uh, that's that's one phenomenon. There are other more serious uh, ones. Does Stefan Levin ever try to mansplain to you? No, actually, <laughs> actually not. He's a very genuine person that is both very kind and and with the most incredible respect for for women, and not in a way that he's trying to put himself in a in a night. But I think it's because he loves his, his wife so much, or you know, oh. he, no, no, absolutely. Oh, Laisa, you know, though, and I, I think that means something that you have that respect for your partner or your your wife, uh, and it just sort of uh, affects everything else. Like very many men with daughters. And especially if they have several daughters, they start to think, well, what what will happen to them? What if they are exposed to this? What? How would I react? So it, it makes them think uh, also about the, the, maybe the next generation or the ones that they hold dear. Mm -hmm. And then they understand what kind of impact this will have on, on society. Mm -hmm. So he's the type of man that makes it possible for Stockholm to become a woman's place. Absolutely. And also he he's not a person that would interrupt you. He would trust you to do your job. And I think that's also a fantastic uh, mm -hmm. thing for any boss. Any leader. And just one final question. What is a woman's place to you? Well, in the White House and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and in decision-making and everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, where I think women should be. That maybe I shouldn't say in the White House. <laughs> I have, you know, I have a water bottle. Where if I go jogging, I have a water bottle which says, a woman's place is in the White House. <laughs> so... <laughs> It came too easily to me. Now, I, I, I think a, a woman's place is where she wants to be. Hey!